Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 32, 1 through 11. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand is heavy on me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Ooh, we know that. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in the heart. Uh, as we come before you and, and as we open up your word, that you would just illuminate this to us, Lord. That, that you would point out places in our own lives where this uh, message for today needs to dwell uh, and needs to be within us, Lord. So we just give this time to you. I pray that you would give me words to speak uh, that would come from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was reminded when I came to church this morning, apparently last week I spoke about earthquakes and how we're not supposed to listen to God in the earthquake, so I'm going to be careful with my words today. Maybe I'll just speak about rain. I'll talk about rain the whole day. Um, so I will, I will be careful. I am not claiming uh, prophet status uh, in case you are curious, uh, but I just did think that was a little funny that we talked about, you know, it was the... The Isaiah piece where, uh, where the storm comes and God's voice was not in the storm and the fire comes and God's voice was not in the fire. And then the earthquake, you know, shakes the whole world underneath their feet. Uh, and at least I didn't say anything about the mountains falling into the sea. Uh, so I will, I will watch my... Now I just did. Oh, no. I will, I will watch my, my tongue. Um, I was thinking about... Ah, uh, this, this sermon. Did you hear that Minnesota there? Thinking a, thinking a boot. Thinking a boot this sermon. And uh, I was reflecting back on this hike that we did as a family. And, and Ander, our youngest, he's four. He was the little blonde boy up here um, with his brothers, the one not doing the motion because he's four, right? Um, and we did this hike out at Parrots Ferry Bridge on your way, like when you cut to Sonora and go to Walmart, uh, that bridge there. And um, from the bottom of where that bridge is to the top of this hike, it's called the bomb hike. And at the top of the hike, it's about 1,000 feet to get up to one of those, the tops of one of those hills right there. Uh, and then you can look out, and it's very, very beautiful. And Ander did it with us. So he's four years old. And we've been doing easy hikes, so he's been getting used to it. But this is, this is a little more advanced, right? I mean, this is 1,000 feet, and, and he's got short little legs. And we got about halfway, and we decided to tell him, I don't know if any four-year-olds have ever walked all the way up this. 
without being carried before. And you're kind of learning your kids' personalities here a little bit. And, and that just like, he latched onto that. And he was like, I'm going to be the four-year-old to do it, you know, kind of thing. And, but it was hard. And, and he did it, and there's this term in hiking, I don't know if you've heard it, it's called second fun. Anyone ever heard of second fun? Here's what it means. Susan has, because I told her I was going to say this story. Um, so second fun means you're doing something and it's not fun, like climbing a thousand feet. But when you're done, it was really fun. I don't know if you've ever done that. You go for a long hike or you go up to a peak or or you do a long canoe trip or something, and it's not fun, it's really difficult, and you're having a hard time, and, and you're actually kind of struggling through it, and you're getting sore, and you're, and you're wearing out, but then when it was done, it was so fun. Like, it was awesome. Like, you saw the view, and you felt the accomplishment, and it was just so great. So that's, that term is called second fun, because it's not fun, but, but then when you're done, it is really fun. So Andrew was having this second fun moment, and the reason I bring this up is, is when we get stuck in a rut, you know, if he only did the same really easy hike, it would stop being fun. And I already know this, because it has stopped being fun for him. We, we do kind of the same stretch, it's often on the rim trail, and, and he's bored with it. But he did, he did this really challenging one, and it was really fun afterwards, but it was so hard in the moment. I mean, it was hard for us, we didn't want to carry him, that's why we told him that. Because we were struggling going up this hill. And I'm like, I don't want to carry this kid and the backpack and all the water. Um, but the second fun was there. And, and I was thinking about this with this prayer series that we're in. And I think, uh, to kind of shift it a little bit, I think sometimes our prayer lives can get stuck in a rut where we're doing the same easy prayers over and over again. The reason being is because if we're going to pray tough prayers, if we're going to pray hard prayers, some people even say dangerous prayers, if we're going to pray these prayers that ask a lot of us and not just a lot of God, uh, if we're going to pray prayers that open us up and, and expose us to God and say, and say, God, dwell inside of me, be inside of me, use me, uh, send me uh, to do your work, then it's, it's probably going to be a second fun kind of prayer. It's not going to be great in the moment when you pray these hard prayers, these tough prayers. God is going to expose you to Him. He's going to open you. He's going to show you your sin. He's going to show you ways that you're far from Him. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be a tough prayer to do. It's going to be a tough way to pray. But it is so worth it in the end. It's, this, it's a second fun kind of prayer so we're going to focus on that today in the middle of this prayer series uh, that we're in. And, and we're on week four, and, and it's called Start With Prayer. And I've said each week that the whole point of this whole series is that prayer becomes our first step in any obstacle we come across, in any circumstance we come across. That prayer is not the afterthought. Prayer is not uh, the end of, of the football game, and we throw the big pass, and we hope that they catch it at the end, which is named after a prayer, right? If you know the name of that football play, uh, it's called the Hail Mary. Uh, I'm not going to preach much on Hail Mary uh, this morning, but it's named after a prayer, right? Because you're just sending up a prayer, and maybe God will catch it, you know? And that's kind of how we think of prayer. You toss it up at the end. Everything's all done. All we can do now is pray. But what if prayer was our first step? What if prayer is our step that, that when times were hard, our first step was to pray? 
or when relationships were difficult, our first step is to pray. The diagnosis is poor. Step number one, pray. The realities of life are overwhelming. Step number one, pray. We get more rain than we know what to do with. There, I'll say it there. Step number one, pray. I'm just using prayer as a real simple definition uh, in this whole series, just simply talking to God, communicating with God, opening ourselves up to God, reaching out uh, to Him. And it really can be conversational or it can be a time where you just say, God, speak to me, and you just sit in silence and and listen uh, for what God is telling you. So I'm going to encourage you today, I'm going to more challenge you to to do three prayers that I'm going to call tough prayers. So if you take notes, these are the three I want you to write down. These are your tough prayers. Uh, Again, these are not easy. There's nothing simple about this. There's nothing that will be uh, uh, smooth. It will take effort on your part. So I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer, to pray, search me. God. And I'll explain a little more of that later. The second one is make me bold. Make me bold. And the third one is send me. Again, we can, we can pray in these ruts and they can be what I'm going to call easy prayers. And often easy prayers are really good prayers. So, so don't leave saying uh, the pastor of that church doesn't like it when I pray for people that are sick or when... I mean, these are good prayers, but we pray, you know, God bless us, God heal my friend, uh, give me this job, God uh, help me, protect me, keep me safe. These are all wonderful, but they're easy because who's acting in that prayer? It, it's zero on us, we're, we're not really doing it, we're praying it and then we're stepping back and we're saying, now God, do your work. And that's good, but you can see how that's a little bit easy. Right? I mean, that's a smooth path. That's not the thousand-foot incline. That, that's the smooth path forward. So these prayers, there's a different level here. That when you pray, God, search me. Uh, it goes much deeper. This is from Psalm 139. It's a psalm of David. Uh, right at the end of the psalm, in, in verses 23 and 24, David says this. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you see how that's not an easy prayer? You see how that's the kind of prayer that that you're asking God to do something in your own life that that is deep, that is a tough prayer. I'm going to read it again. Search me. God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Step number one there is search my heart, God. Look within me. I am blind to what is in my own heart. I am blind to what is inside me. And why do we pray this to God? Why do we pray, God, search my heart? Don't we all have good hearts anyway? 
Uh, you hear it all the time. She had a good heart. Uh, he was a kind-hearted man. But actually, Scripture tells us that none of us have good hearts apart from Christ. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's kind of brutal, right? The heart is deceitful above all things. Number one on the list of deceitful things, it is the heart. Number one, most deceitful and and it's beyond cure. And who can understand it? So without, without Christ, our hearts are not good. We are not good-hearted people. I am sorry to tell you. If you came to VBS Sunday and, and you're like, now, now I'm not having as much fun, I'm sorry to tell you. Our hearts are deceitful. We deceive others. We do it all the time. All we need is the tiniest shred of... Um, of awareness, and, and we see it in ourselves. We don't normally admit it to other people, but, but we deceive others, and we deceive ourselves. We're all liars to the point where we lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves that we're good-hearted, that we are not like these other people who are around. We know the other people. We see them all the time. Our heart is so good at deceiving us that we even start to believe it. That it starts to tell us that we are uh, really, really the good ones. That apart from Christ, we can still be good. That apart from Him, we can still maybe measure up. That is the biggest lie that is told within ourselves. And if we start to pray this prayer, search my heart, Lord, it is not going to be the smooth, flat, level hiking path. But it's going to be so worth it. It's going to be that second fun kind of thing. It's going to be that thing where, where you get through it and, and, and God will show you uh, your own ways. He'll show you ways that you are far from Him and you will work through it with God and you will struggle through it with Him. And when you get done, you'll look out and you'll say, yeah, that was worth it. That thousand foot climb up to this point of my relationship with God, that was worth it. That was so great. But it takes so much strength. It takes so much uh, bravery uh, to pray this in the first place. Search my heart and expose my deceitful ways. The second prayer, the second tough prayer here is make me bold. It can be very easy, and I'm speaking more specifically in our prayer lives, to pray in bold ways. Uh, it can be so easy to pray uh, timid, to pray little prayers. There's this saying in baseball of playing small ball. If you play small ball, it means, it means you're not the New York Yankees who have the endless uh, amount of money to, to write checks out. So, so it's normally these other teams that are smaller market, and they have smaller total budgets, and their goal is not to hit home runs every time they go up to the plate. If you're playing small ball, it means you want to hit singles, and you want to hit doubles, and eventually you keep going, and you score enough points because you're so good at hitting singles and doubles. 
but we do it with our prayers too. And we step up to the plate and we say, God, I'm going to swing for a single. <laughs> and when you answer it, you know, it's going it's to be really good. You know, and it's true. And it's a good way to play baseball, but it's not a great way uh, to go about your prayer life, at least not all the time. So what does it mean to be bold? I would say first, it means to pray like God actually hears you. Have you ever done that? You've gone through a prayer and really somewhere back in your own mind you don't think that God is hearing you anyway? You've kind of convinced yourself that, that I'll just say this and I'll go through the motions, but, but I'm not really thinking about what's going on right now. I'm not really thinking about how the God of the universe, the God that created all of us, loves me deeply and promises that when I pray, He will listen to me. 1 John 5.14 And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We need to pray with that kind of confidence that he hears us. The second part is that we need to pray believing that our prayers matter. When I was in seminary and when I was going through all my education, you, you start to kind of learn uh, all this theology, and you're figuring it all together, and you're trying to figure out who God is and how it all works and, and how it all works. And at some point, I remember thinking, if, if God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and all these, all these theological truths, and they are true, then how could my prayers matter? And this was a thing that a lot of people had to wrestle through, that you get far enough kind of in this, in this Christian walk, and you go, I feel like I get it all. I feel like I understand it, but if I do then why does this matter? Then, then how would this change anything? Isn't, isn't this going to happen with my friend, whether I pray or I don't pray? You know, how can I, I'm not convincing God of something else, right? I'm certainly not twisting God's arm and saying, now you have to act on my behalf because I said the right prayer and I, and I said it the right way and, and I even quoted scripture in it and, and I'm just like a, a you know, 4.0 prayer, you know, and now God's got to do something because it was a good prayer. You know, it sounds silly, but we, we kind of almost convince ourselves sometimes, right? Or, or maybe, maybe I'm not praying long enough. Maybe my prayer is supposed to be uh, 10 minutes or longer. And if I'm doing with other people, if, if I don't hear any, you know, mm-hmm, you know, as I'm praying, or, or I don't hear any amens, or I don't hear any whispers, you know, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, then, then maybe it's a, like a 3.0 prayer. It's like a B. And, and then if they do it, then it's a 4.0, and then, then maybe God's got to do something because I did a good enough prayer. It sounds ridiculous to say out loud, doesn't it? But, but search us, Lord. You know, is this in our heart? Is this where we're at? Are we trying to convince God that he needs to act in a certain way? Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. God invites us to come to Him with boldness. Why? Because we are His children. Because in Christ, we are in direct relationship with God. We don't need to hide in the background. 
I feel like we miss some of this in, in our time in history. It's like, it's like we don't have these kings or these emperors that are so far above the everyday people. You know, we, we can go online and we, we can tweet whatever we want about whoever we want. Even, the you know, highest office in the land. That's fine. I can aim for that and I, I can say why I disagree and, and that's fine. But, I don't know, try that in the ancient world. Go tweet about Caesar and see how it's showing, how it goes. It's not going to go well. Genghis Khan, when you would come before him, Genghis Khan, you, you got to the back of the room, and there was people there, and they stopped you. And these, these are other leaders, right? These are leaders of the people. They come to the back of the room, and they would need to get down on all fours. And they would turn around, facing that, and they would crawl backwards before him. And they would bow down facing the other way. They couldn't look at it. Kings, leaders of the people. These are not the, the lowly servants. These are the other kings that are coming before this emperor. I feel like we miss a little bit of that. Not, not that we want that, but I feel like we miss a little bit of the significance of what's going on here. What it means that we can come boldly before our Heavenly Father. That, that it's not that we need to, to cower in the back and, and sneak in and say, God, please, if, if you're not too busy, would you please help my friend? Would you, would you please help me grow closer to you? And, and, then, and then sorry for wasting your time, and, and then we scurry off. That through Jesus Christ, we can come before our Heavenly Father. And Jesus teaches us to pray, calling Him our Father. And we'll talk about the Lord's Prayer in a few weeks, but, but it starts off with this word that really is, is well translated to be the word daddy. We, we often say our father as, as we translate it now, but like this word is, you're coming before God and you're saying, daddy, I, I need something. How intimate and how beautiful and, and we need uh, to be able to pray in bold ways because we're coming before our daddy and he wants to give us good gifts. Now the third one is this prayer, send me. Again, a tough prayer. Don't just pray it because he might do it. <laughs> As someone who moved to California, he might do it. People say, why did you move to the mountains? I said, God told me to move to the mountains. Those people need some Jesus. I don't know. But, but it's true. I mean, it, it's a prayer of availability. It's a prayer that says, God, I know you have things you want to do in this world, and I am available. What if we started off our day with that prayer? What if we started off saying, God, there's, there's stuff throughout the day, and, and I've seen it happen where where I'm going through my day and all of a sudden I'm at the gas station and everything, it seems like everything works out and all of a sudden there's someone there that, that God nudges that I'm supposed to talk to and interact with or help in some way. And, and it definitely seems like a God thing. But if we're not available, it won't happen. If we don't say, God, use me. God, send me. I see three pretty clear different uh, answers to God sending people in the Old Testament. So God often sends his prophets places, and, and there's three occasions, and I'll read through them, that, that different responses 
So as I read these, I want you to think about your own response in your own heart. Here's a hint. One of these is the right answer. Two of these are the wrong answer. Just because they're in the Bible doesn't mean they're all the right answer. Uh, Two more are the wrong answer. The first one is the prophet Jonah, known best for his interaction with the, uh, the big fish, right? And Jonah says, here I am, Lord, I'm not going. Right? So God calls him. God calls him to go out and to preach uh, to the people of Nineveh. And, and Jonah says, here I am. You know, you've come to the right place. This is Jonah residence. Uh, I don't know. We used to have to answer the phone like that as kids. Hello, Dietrich residence. This is John speaking. So yeah, the, the phone call has come through. This is indeed Jonah, but I'm not going. The book of Jonah, uh, how it starts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarsus. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship and boarded it at the port. After paying his fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarsus to flee from the Lord. Now, I don't know how well you all know your Old Testament uh, geography. These places are not near each other. You do not need to get on a ship to go to Nineveh. You go to Nineveh, you just go north. Instead, we're told that Jonah went to Joppa first, and it says he went down to Joppa. So he he goes over, and then he gets on a ship, and then he's sailing, and and a lot of experts think this city that he was going to, they think it's in Spain. I'm serious. (laughs) They think it's in Spain. It is the end of the known world. He is running literally to the ends of the earth to get away from the call that God has put on his life. Again, please do not do this. This is, not, this is not something that you're supposed to be doing. But again, it's here. It's here I am, but I'm not going. Here I am, Lord. I, I, I'm here. I, I want to do your will. But then, but then when that conversation comes up at the gas station, I'm not doing it. When, I, when I'm driving down the street and I happen to turn down a road I don't normally and there's someone with a broken down car. I'm not doing it. it. It's this idea of, of again, here I am, but, but I'm going in the opposite direction. And maybe if I can get far enough away, maybe you'll quit bugging me about it, God. See, the idea in the ancient world, that this actually is a book in the Old Testament that teaches us that, that the God of the Old Testament is a universal God. They, they didn't necessarily have this concept, so he's literally leaving God's jurisdiction. He thinks that this is the God of Israel. He's like, well, I'm just getting out of Israel then. I'm just literally going far enough away, and they have different gods over there, you know, small g. They have different gods uh, over there, and, and he's trying to escape. And this is telling us, no, this God is bigger than that. Number two, Moses. Moses says, here I am, send someone else. Again, please don't, but this is what he says. Here I am, send someone else. This is Exodus 
chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. God says, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He goes on to suggest uh, that Aaron should do it instead. He says, I'm not good uh, at public speaking. I stutter a lot. I have all these reasons why it is not me that should go. You know, God is sending me, but, you know, send, send someone else. There's other people more qualified. I think this is a, this is a rough one for a lot of people in, in churches on Sundays because you can kind of look around and say, Maybe there's some other people here more qualified than me. Maybe I shouldn't pray, Lord, send me. Lord, use me. Uh, use me to reach people. And, and instead, I drive past and I see poverty or I see something else and I say, God, do something about that. And, and then I get the nudge in my heart that says, yeah, you do something about that. Or, or, or I did do something about it. I brought you to this place. And, and then we say, no, 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 not, not I. Send someone else more qualified. Send someone else that can do this because, because I, I just don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not good enough to do that. Again, my prayers, they're, they're a 2.5 GPA kind of prayer. Send the 4.0 people. They go to my church. I've seen them. I look around. They... they, they uh, they come up front after the service. They pray. Thank you all. <laughs> what, what about them? What about that person? Send them instead. This other person is more qualified than I am. So if we're going to pray this prayer of send me, Lord, it is a tough prayer. Because it actually requires uh, the third approach here, the approach of Isaiah, which is here I am, Lord, send me which is not arrogant, but yet humble. It's not I'm qualified, it's I'm available. It's, it's I know who you are, I've had an encounter with you, you've changed my life in such a way that, that, that I'm your servant. If you want me to go, I will go. If you want me to stay, I will stay. If you want me to preach, I will preach. If you want me to stay silent, I will stay silent. I, I am yours. Lord. Isaiah 6, verse 8. This is him speaking. He says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. That's only a five-word prayer. Technically quoting scripture, so you get that point, right? So you, you quoted scripture, you get the point for quoting scripture, but you only said five words. But that is a tough prayer, because if you say it and if you mean it, then God's going to do it. And what does that mean? What does that mean for the rest of your life? What does that mean for for your walk with Him? What does that mean for your relationship with other people and places that have become comfortable for you? So every single one of these prayers, the reason they are tough is because they pull us out of our comfort zones. 
They pull us out of our bubbles. I always like the bubble term. You know, we all have this little ecosystem around ourselves, and, and we say, this is where I'm good. This is where I'm comfortable. And then God says, well, how about you go 15 miles that direction? And you're like, no, no, my bubble is small, God. My bubble is small, but I will serve within my bubble. Lord God, send me within my bubble to reach those within my bubble. Uh, is that bold? That is not very bold. So if we pray these bold prayers, uh, again, Lord, search me, know me, reveal even my own wickedness to myself so that I can work on it. Let me, let me hike to the top of this mountain alongside you, knowing that it's going to be so hard, but knowing that it's going to be so worth it. Lord, make me bold. Make me pray prayers that are not, uh, that are not simple, that are not easy, that are not these prayers that, that we just say, God, you do something. God, help, help these people. God, God, do something about this problem. God, I look out in the world and I see a lot of issues. Uh, would you do something about it? I, I'm just as guilty as anyone else of praying that prayer. Lord, I look around and there's, there's hurt and there's poverty and there's, there's drug abuse and there's addictions and, and Lord, do something. But what does it mean to say, Lord, search me, Lord, make me bold and then send me? Again, tough prayers. And it's VBS Sunday, so I'm trying to keep it light. I'm trying to keep it up, upbeat a little bit. But, ooh. But if you pray them, and you mean it, and you do it, your world will never be the same. And, and not, just your own, not just your bubble, keep in mind. The, those that you influence. Why do we pray bold prayers? It seems so much more comfortable not to. It's because our families need us to. Our families need us to be the people that will pray these prayers. Our friends need us to be these people. Our, our world needs us. Our communities need us. Our country needs us. Everything around us, they need Christians to be these kind of people. And we pray because we need it. We need to have this kind of relationship with God. Where it is not simple, and it's not easy, and it's not, and it's not just coasting through things and saying easy things and, and just, I don't know, I'm going to change the analogy. Now, now, now we're riding a mountain bike downhill. Simple, right? But when you climb to the top, the second fun will be there. So th this is not a message that says, hey, how about you do this really hard thing and it's going to be hard? End of story. It's a message that says this is worth it. And this is what we're called to do. And this is how we're called to live. And this is how we're called to be in relationship with God. That, that we can pray these other prayers and they are wonderful. But, but if you are bold enough to pray these, I promise you it would be worth it.